Baptist Church. It is Mother's Day. If you are live with us today, either in this room or in the cafe, uh, all of you who join us later by audio or video podcast, we love you. Thank you for finding us. You honor us by coming and being a part of this worship service whenever and however you do so. God bless you. Everybody open your Bibles to the book of Exodus this morning. I want to start a brand new, a short series entitled Forgotten Girls. Forgotten Girls of the Bible. I want us to take a look at some of the characters, the female characters in the Bible that by now many of their names are forgotten, their stories never get told, but these are women that God has used to make a giant difference in the world. Let's not forget them. As a pastor, uh, I am pastor for a congregation that is probably just over 50% women. So I recognize my responsibility to speak to, to pastor, and to uh, acknowledge the needs and contributions of the women in our, in our congregation. I hope I do a, a passable job of that all the time. But in the next few sermons, I really want to try to focus best we can on the, what it means to be a daughter of God in the family of God. Uh, let me start off with, with just sort of my uh, assumption here, and, and maybe this will help you understand somewhat of, of, of where I'm coming from. In, in the book of Genesis, when God creates the man and the woman, uh, there are some very special words that are used to describe the creation of the woman. And this is what it says. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. That, that word is helper. Sometimes the old King James, we use the word helpmate or, or helpmeet, that, that, that sort of idea. It actually, you know, it's the Hebrew Bible, it's the he Hebrew language, and the word that's used there is a Hebrew uh, term that's etzer konegdo. Say that, say etzer, etzer konegdo. You speak a little bit of Hebrew now, just a little bit. You can't order in a Jewish restaurant, I guess, but, but, but you know the word etzer konegdo. The Lord God made the woman to be an etzer konegdo. The word there is etzer. It means help. It does mean help. So when we translate that, he, he made her to be a helper. Uh, th that's a fair translation. But, but if you're thinking something like daddy's little helper, uh, you know, here, hold this while I do something important, you, you're missing the, the point. The word is a very, very strong word. It means strong help. This word is only used a few times in the entire Old Testament and in every other instance, in every other instance of the word etzer, that word applies to God. And always in the context of God being our, our strong help. I look up to the hills. Where does my etzer come from? My etzer, my help comes from the Lord. He is my strong help. You understand? It always is used in reference to God or in reference to the woman who is created to be the etzer connecto. It means a rescuer. It, it means a lifesaver. Do you, you understand this? God created the man and woman together, each of them in the image of God, each of them bearing something of God's image and something of God's strength. But God created us together sort of to be partners in an adventure. So the woman and the man are, are partners in adventure, and God has created the woman's soul in this very special and particular way. She's created with this strength, that this strength and this ability to be a strong help, a partner in adventure. So, so let me say it this way. In the soul of a woman, God places strength and longing for a great adventure with others, and that's probably one of the big differences between the typical man and the typical woman that I see. It's this with others part. Now, a man wants a great adventure, but we want a great adventure by ourselves. 
That way, if it doesn't go well, we can come back and, and improve the story a little bit, and there'll be no witnesses to, you know, it's like, yeah, that fish was this big, you know. Uh, we sort of go off by ourselves, a Lone Ranger, Batman, the, the, that sort of thing. But women like to go with others. I, and, and again, I know I'm making a, a, a big generalization here, but it's just my observation that women are strongly relational. They want a great adventure. They want to use the help and beauty God has given them, but they want to do it on an adventure with others. Women just do things in groups. Group of church couples were out at, at a restaurant, won't name any names, but all of a sudden, one of the women stood up and said, who wants to go? And all the women got up boop, boop, and went off to the restroom. Okay, can you ever imagine a group of men in our church? I, I mean, just, you know, you know, like a deacon's meeting where Jimmy White stands up and says, who wants to go? And Joan Neal gets up and, you know, boop, boop, boop. Yeah, it's just... Never, ever going to happen. But that's, you know, women, who wants to go? And all the women boop, boop, went off, you know, to the restroom together. They're gone for two days or three days. And, and, and then they come back and one of the men says, what took so long? And the woman said, there was a line. <laughs> well, you took the line with you. You, you understand? I mean, <laughs> you know. As men, we could help you with this line thing, you know, you know, but, you know, who wants to go? The women want the adventure with others. In the soul of a woman, God places strength and longing for a great adventure with others. Let's think about what it means to be a daughter of God in the family of God. And today, I want us to look at a little girl whose name is Miriam. Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. Honestly, I was going to preach much more of her story today, but I got stuck with Miriam in the bulrushes, and I want us to hesitate to move past this very quickly because I want us to really focus today on what it means to be a little girl. I know nothing about that. You can help me. Exodus chapter 2, let's pay attention to the little girl by the river. This is, the, of course, usually told as the story of Moses, and it is the story of Moses. If you're not familiar, uh, the children of Israel had been s slaves. They were slaves in, in the land of Egypt. They've been crying out to God for a deliverer, for a rescuer, and God is going to raise up a deliverer. But at this point, that deliverer is just a few months old. His name is Moses. And so uh, Pharaoh, who recognizes the, the way that the, that the Israelites are multiplying, he worries about some sort of revolution, a revolt. So Pharaoh decides to have all of the male children killed. So you know the story. Pharaoh is, is now killing all of the babies, all of the, the Israelite babies in the land of Egypt. Um, Moses' mother, whose name was Jacobed. Uh, Moses' mother, Jochebed, decides that, that, that she cannot bear to see her baby boy die. So she uh, makes a basket, you know the story, and she puts baby Moses in the river. And, and this is where we pick up. Exodus chapter 2, starting verse 4. Um, Moses' mother, Jochebed, makes the basket, puts her baby boy in the river. And then here in, in verse 4, the baby sisters then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Verse 5, soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. And when the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. 
Verse 7, then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? She asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother, her own mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. It's easy to overlook the little girl in this story. In this story, all eyes are on Moses, and honestly, that's part of the point of the story. Even Miriam, even the big sister, even her eyes are on Moses. But today, I want you to see the little girl in the reeds there. I want you to see the little girl. It is Amazing to, to see little girls. Our congregation is blessed right now with, with quite a crop of little girls. It seems like for a while, every time I went to the hospital, uh, everything was pink. Uh, we, we had a long, long baby boom of girls, and it's a wonderful thing. Matt and Don Betts are doing their part to populate <laughs> the world with, with, with baby girls. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, Casey and I only ever had one son. Uh, his name, of course, is Wade. He's 21 now, so I don't know anything about girls, but will you help me? Those of you, who, actually, how many of you are parents right now to girls? Yeah, all of you. My, my, my goodness, it's awesome. Tell me about girls. Tell me about little girls. What, what happens in girl world? What, what, what lives in girl world? What should we know about little girls these days? Somebody help me. Little girls, what do they like? Maureen says dresses. Little girls still like, still like dresses. They like to dress up. Yeah, they still like to dress up. Is pink still a thing? Little girls still like pink. Isn't it funny how that, that, that doesn't seem to change? Little girls still like pink. What else do little girls like these days? Princesses, yeah, and specifically Frozen. Yeah, something about the Disney movie Frozen. Uh, little girls and a whole lot of big girls and, and a whole lot of big boys actually are obsessed <laughs> with the whole movie Frozen, Elsa and Anna. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I invited some girls over so I could have a reason to watch it. That's a pretty awesome movie. Frozen is something that has really captured the hearts of our girls these days. What else? What about girls? What do girls do? Tell me. Little girls dance? Yeah, the little boys dance too, but little girls dance differently, I, I, I'm told. Yeah. Little girls like the microphone to go with it? Yeah, I remember once we were having a children's choir singing and one of the little girls had a solo and they put her in front of the microphone and she said, can I take the microphone and walk around like Hannah Montana? Yeah. Yeah. We've never had a boy at the church who wanted to walk around like Hannah Montana. Yeah, so maybe having the microphone and yeah, maybe that's a girl thing. What else? Dolls? Yeah, and, and kind of be mommies. Uh, dolls, carry dolls around. Yeah, girls still do dolls. Yeah. What else? Barbies. Is Barbie still out there? Is she still a thing? Good old Barbie. That, that old girl's been around a long, long time. Barbies. Uh, girls do each other's hair. This is something boys typically don't do, but girls will do each other's hair. Girls will, will paint fingernails, paint toenails, uh, lip gloss still seems to be a big thing with girls as far as I can see. Sleepovers, sleepovers still a big thing. Yeah. You know, I used to think that boys ate and little girls didn't eat, but y'all know little girls eat, right? Uh, we had a D-Now group where all we had at our house was girls, and I mean, I just, it was a full-time job just keeping the, the food 
moving around. Girls certainly eat. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's like a world unto itself. L- little girls are, 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 are different, and they're, they're absolutely beautiful. Now, again, I, I remind you, God created us male and female in his image. Genesis um, chapter 1 makes that absolutely clear. Male and female, both in his image, but we're so different. And what that tells us is that we are able somehow to bear each of us a different part of the image of God. It takes male and female both to really begin to understand the, the, the heart of God. So male and female in, in his image we are created. It, it, it takes both. And, and this is what brings me back around to, to, to this sermon series and this little girl that most everybody doesn't even notice in the bushes here in the story. It, it's just simply... That, that if you overlook the, the female, or if you overlook the, the, the women, and especially the little girls, if you somehow do not notice them, if you discount them or, or, or forget them, truly you're discounting the part of God that they represent and reveal to us. If we forget the little girls, if we somehow set them aside or, or, or discount what we can learn and see in them, then actually what we're doing is discounting that part of God's face that we would be able to see if we would look into their faces. Do you understand that? And so that brings me back to Exodus chapter 2. Do you see the girl in the bulrushes here? What is she doing? What is she doing? You would say she's babysitting maybe. Big sisters do that. She's, she's babysitting her brother. It's, it, it, it's much, much more than that, but it's not less than that. She's, she's watching her, her brother. It's a horrible situation. The, the girl is in danger, but they're all in danger. I mean, you understand... Pharaoh's really killing Jews. He's really killing children and especially babies. And so this is a desire and effort to, to rescue her own baby. So Jacobed, Moses' mother, devises this plan. I believe, obviously, the Lord is in it, but Jacobed is only doing what she can do, and all she can do is make a basket. So she makes a basket, and she puts her son in it. But notice that she, she asks her daughter to stay out there. To, to stay out there, which is to say she, she leaves her daughter in danger. Miriam this day has a very, very important job. I, I have a feeling that Jacobin knows that this is where the princess tends to bathe. I have a feeling that these women really do know more of what it seems like they, they know about what they're doing. And I have a feeling Miriam is planted there to watch, to wait, to do exactly what she does. But, but this is what I'm saying. How do we not see her? We read and we reread the story. How do we not see her? It's not just this part of the story. The story of Moses goes on and on, and it is typically the story of Moses. And those of you who've grown up girls in families with brothers, you know how that is sometimes. It's almost like the, the, the girl disappears in the world of her brother's. The family can become all about what the brothers do, the, the football, the baseball, everything else that the brothers are involved in. And it's so easy for the little girl to get lost in that. 
seems so easy for the parents to beam with pride over their sons, but sometimes that, that, that same pride doesn't seem to be expressed for the little girl. It's just very, very easy for a little girl to be overlooked and forgotten. And it's certainly the case of, of, of Miriam. Now, now, you understand, if you read your Bible, Miriam goes on to be very, very important in the Exodus as well. Moses is always going get to the, get the, the top uh, bill there whenever you talk about the story. But, but recognize Scripture tends to give Moses, Miriam, and Aaron, all brothers and sisters, sort of equal credit. Read the book of Micah. Read the instances in the Exodus when Miriam herself is called a prophet. Miriam, this little girl, becomes a prophet. I know that sounds strange because we don't tend to give her the same kind of credit that her brothers get, but this is exactly what I'm saying. What is this little girl doing in the reeds, in the bulrushes this day? What is happening? Well, bottom line, what that girl's going to be later in life largely depends upon what she's becoming now. And this is what I'm saying. This little girl in the bulrushes this day, this little girl is being faithful. This little girl is being obedient. This little girl is being patient. And God is using her and is going to use her in ways that honestly to this day the world has hardly begun to recognize or understand. She's actually got a pretty important job there but again for the most part we we, we discount it we, we, we keep all of our eyes on Moses because honestly even her eyes are on Moses that day we just don't expect much out of little girls we just never do and honestly in, in our culture these days we don't expect much out of young people a, as a rule I don't know if you've talked a lot to senior adults, to your grandparents, to your great-grandparents, but, but you should. Ask them about when they were younger. Ask your grandmother about what her life was like when she was a teenager, and she'll look blankly at you because teenagers were invented sometime after your grandmother. You understand? My grandmother was never a, a teenager like that. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not saying, I'm, that's not a joke. Uh, that whole idea that you have this period of life from about 13 to 19 where nothing much is expected of you, where you just sort of live in your parents' house with electronic devices and everything that you want and ask for, and you don't really have any chores or don't really have to work, and, and school for you sort of revolves around you, and everything sort of revolves around you. Your parents drive you everywhere you want to go. You understand? That's a new thing. The, 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 the whole concept of being a teenager the way young people are teenagers in, in our day, that's new. But my grandmother was married at 13. <gasps> a teenage bride? No, I'm telling you, she wasn't a teenager. You understand? There were like kids and there were adults, and, and you became one very, very quickly. Uh, people worked. I mean, our grandparents worked, and, and, and there was no such thing as sort of, you know, getting up on Saturday morning and laying around all day long in your gown watching, you know, television. That, that, that didn't exist in previous generations. There was a lot expected of them. One of the older ladies in our church years ago, her name was Opal Sparks. They say that Opal Sparks, when she was six years old, would push the stool up to the, to the stove. And understand the stove had a, a, a real fire in it, which, which Opal had to build herself. You know, she built the fire in the stove at the age of six, and she would push the stool up, and she would cook for the entire family because, if I remember correctly, her mama had died. And she had brothers and sisters younger than she was. So Opal began to cook at the age of six. 
She built the fire. Uh, understand how much was expected? Back in the old days at Woodburn Baptist Church, they didn't have electric lights. They had lanterns that hung in the ceiling. I mean, open flame. And they said that the little girls in the church used to love to climb the ladders and, and, and light the lanterns. Can you imagine the little girls, our congregation, swinging from the ceiling like spider monkeys? I mean, we would never let that happen. You, you, you wouldn't let little girls take risks like that. But understand, those same little girls, they caught their own horse to ride to church. Again, I know I'm talking like just an, an, an old man about how hard it was in the old days, but I'm trying to help you understand that we have very low expectations for young people these days, and especially girls especially girls, they are at, at the launch pad of their entire lives. And everything that they're going to become depends upon what they're becoming now. And that should frighten us because honestly, we don't expect much from them now. Surely little girls are capable of more than just simply watching Frozen for the hundredth time. I mean, if they can learn every word of every song and every line of dialogue, if they can do the whole Olaf, you know, what I want to do this summer, I mean, if they can do all of that, don't you think they can learn math or history or maybe even manage to make their beds? You know, understand? I mean, this past week, one of the big things in girl world is the Kylie Jenner lip challenge. Y'all know about this? You're paying attention to your daughters, right? Kylie Jenner, I mean, got to help her. She's in girl world these days. She's known for her pouty lips. I mean, like, <laughs> pouty lips. And apparently girls want those. I, I, I don't know why. I, I don't understand that. But, but girls want those. So this rumor went around that the way Kylie Jenner has big lips is that she'll get like a water bottle and she'll squeeze all the air out and then put it up against her mouth and, and like pull her lips into the water bottle. Like she's trying to tell people that's why her lips are so big so we won't know that she spent $3 million so that her lips could look like overcooked hot dogs. So little girls believe that you can get her pouty lips by, by sucking on a glass or a water bottle. So on Instagram and on the internet the last two or three weeks, you've been seeing girls show up on Instagram with, with incredibly bruised lips and mouths and faces. There'd be like a perfect purple circle around right here where some moron little girl is like sucking her whole face into a water bottle so she can have pouty lips. I just like to suggest that maybe our little girls are worth more than that. And I like to suggest that maybe we should give them a little more to do than sit around and suck on a water bottle so they could have pouty lips. Maybe, if I may be so bold, we can suggest to them that there's something more important in the world than having pouty lips. Maybe, maybe we could even help our little girls understand that the contents of her heart is much more important than the shape of her lips. But nobody's saying this, you understand? Our little girls are living in a world where pouty lips matter much, much more than having a kind heart. And this should be dreadful for the church, and it is dreadful for the church. Now, I would say, I think the little girls in our congregation are getting it all together. I think we have amazing women of God at all ages coming up in this congregation. And I'm excited about that. Coming to this church gives me a little bit of hope for the world. I, I'm telling you the truth there. 
But, but let me tell you this, even though your daughter may be getting it all together, the little girls out there in the world, they're not getting it all together. Your daughter is going to go out into a world where she's going to be told that, that her real worth has to do with how she looks, how pouty her lips are. It's, it, it's disheartening in a way. And part of me thinks, I'm so glad I had a boy, I, 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 and I'm honest in that. I, I just worry so much for, for our girls. We have low, low, low expectations for them. And that's why I want you to take a look at the girl in the reeds or the, the little girl in the bulrushes, because you think, well, what's the big deal, Pastor Tim? She's just there watching her brother. I mean, she's just sitting there watching her brother. You don't understand this thing, do you? While we have low expectations for young people and especially girls, God does not. Understand this, God has high expectations for all of us because God never intends that we do anything without him. Male or female, girl or boy, understand, God has high expectations for everybody. Now, let me stop right now. Uh, those of you who, who are young and are accustomed to low expectations, remember what the Word of God says when, uh, in the book of Timothy. It says, let no one look down on you because you're young, but instead be an example. Understand? So Scripture doesn't have this view of young people, girls or boys, as somehow um, being less than, less expectations. No, no, Scripture says you don't let anybody put you in that place. You be an example. So God's expectations are actually quite high. And God's expectations for this little girl named Miriam in the bulrushes here, his expectations for her are high. See, you got to really look at this, understand something here. She's not just sitting in the river watching her brother. She is. But do you understand in this moment right here, She's not just watching her brother. She's watching over the entire exodus. You understand? What God is going to do to rescue his people, Israel, out of Egypt, it's all right there in that basket. And, and in this moment, God lets all of that rest, all of that depends upon what this little girl will do. It's in her hands. She's watching over the entire Exodus. In this moment, the burning bush, the, the Ten Commandments, all of salvation history, everything God is going to do to save the world. You understand? In this particular moment, it is all entrusted to the faithfulness, the obedience, the patience, the willingness. Everything depends upon this little girl. If God can use a little girl like that. If God is willing to see a little girl like that and entrust so much to her, something tells me he still wants to do that. And something tells me he wants to use our daughters like that. And something tells me that at Woodburn Baptist Church, we need to take very, very seriously the gifts that God has given us in, in these little girls. We need to be very, very good stewards of them. The women they will become has everything to do with what they're becoming now as we teach them, as we worship with them, as we look in their faces. Do you understand? 
let me say a few things. I, I know that for the most part, this applies more to parents of daughters, but not exclusively. I, I have a niece. Many of you have nieces, nephews, grandchildren. We all are in a church full of girls. So, so, so let's all take this seriously as, as something we should all, all take to heart. Number one, this is what I want to say. Um, I want you to ask God for a clear vision of your daughter's heart and life. Then tell her what you see. If you have a little girl in your life, I want you to ask God for a clear vision of your daughter's heart and life. Ask God to let you see her. Because as I'm saying over and over and over, it's too easy to overlook little girls. Don't overlook them. Ask God to let you have a clear vision. See her. See her heart. See her life. And then tell her what you see. Little girls are so alert, and they are so dialed into you, and especially parents. This little girl, she studies you. She studies you for some sign of who she is and what she's worth. Girls are very sensitive. I don't mean that as delicate and breakable. I just mean they're sensitive. They're, they're, they're sensitive. If the little girl says to daddy, daddy, scratch my back, what's the next thing she'll say? Oh, not so hard. You understand? That's how girls are. They're just sensitive. And because they're sensitive, they study, they watch. God has given them a deeply relational heart, which means that they're connected, that they want to be alongside you. But they're also going to pay attention to you, and they're going to read you. And I'm telling you, this little girl's heart is either going to be built up or torn down by what she thinks you see in her. Heard it. Senior lady one day tell the story about when she was at the county fair one day and she heard her mama talking to the men there and her mama said about her, that girl ain't nothing but a filthy little weed. I know most of you would never describe your daughter like that. You would never say something so cruel and heartless about your daughter. But I'm just saying, what do you think happens when a little girl hears words like that? This girl is, is dialed into you, and especially you, Dad. Your little girl is dialed into you. She's going to get her confidence fr from you. She needs to know that she matters to you. And she's going to feel important whenever you look her in the face, whenever you listen to her. And I know she's always talking. Sometimes little girls are, are like that. They can talk longer than you can listen. And you started out listening, but, you know, that was like Monday. And, and it turns out, you know, she's still... and. But that's how she knows that she matters. You listen to her. You, you look her in the face. I think when it comes to raising girls, either in the family or in the church, there are probably four letters in the alphabet most important. Four letters in the alphabet, and they are I, C, N, U. I, C, N, U. Ask God for a clear vision of her heart and her life, and then tell her what you see in her. Honey, I see in you. What you see in her and what you tell her you see in her matters a great deal. What do you see? Unfortunately, they're being sent into a world that only sees the outside, that only sees the body, that only sees the face. And little girls are so obsessed with, with appearance that our culture trains them that way. We're the body of Christ. We have to teach them something different. 
We have to teach them that the worst thing in the world is to not have pouty lips. The worst thing in the world would be not to have Christ. The worst thing in the world would not be to, to, to somehow to fail to make it onto the cheerleading squad. The worst thing in the world would be to fail to make it to heaven. We have a whole lot of parents much more concerned that their daughters get into college or get onto the cheerleading squad or onto the dance team than they seem to be being concerned about getting their daughters into heaven. And that's a problem with the parents. But we have to teach them that it's really not about how you look, that people look on the outside, but God looks on the heart. So that it's not such a big deal about whether your hair is naturally straight or naturally curly. It's not such a big deal if you're long and lanky like Taylor Swift and short and stocky like a fire hydrant. None of that matters. Do you understand? None of that matters. What matters is what Scripture talks about when it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. When is it that we let the world begin to tell our little girls what makes them valuable? We are the people of God. We are the family of God. And we need our girls to find their worth in Christ. So you ask God for a clear vision of your daughter's heart and life and then tell her what you see. Number two, lead her to discover her own value in Christ. Lead her to discover her own value in Christ before the world tells her she needs a boy to provide her with a life. They're created to love Jesus. They were created with this strength and this beauty that God puts in their souls so that they can embark on this great adventure with others. Christ calls them alongside others in the church, in the family. Christ just brings these powerful women into our lives and they're alongside us for a reason. They bring strength, they bring dignity, they bring beauty. And all of these things that as a people of God, we have to nurture in them. Do you understand? That's where they get their value, their identity. It has nothing to do with how you look. It has nothing to do with how popular you are or what kind of you wear. It has nothing to do with any of these things. We have to teach our daughters to value themselves in Christ. Let Christ tell you who you are. Let Christ fill you up. Let, let Christ satisfy all the needs in your heart. I, I guess because God does create girls, women, so very relational. He does create them for this adventure with others. Women are, are, are much more much more in need of feeling like they belong, perhaps, and much more, much more tuned in to, to this need to, to feel valued and precious to somebody. Yeah, understand? And the devil knows that. The devil always knows that. And all the way back to the garden, the devil has a special hatred for women. He just does. He, he goes after Eve. Do you understand? Maybe it's because of the way the women pr projected the very beauty of God, that the strength. I, I don't know. But the woman is always the special focus of the evil one. He hates women. And the devil knows that the best way to destroy the woman is to somehow destroy the girl before she becomes a woman. So the devil goes after our little girls. Don't you understand this? It's, it's, it's evil, of course it is. But little girls are the special focus of his hatred. And he goes after them while they're young. He wants to wound them while they're young. He wants to leave them empty and drained, and he wants them to go into adulthood. You understand? Wounded and crippled. The evil one has a special hatred for women. And that is especially why we have to make sure that we guard and protect our little girls. We have to make sure that we are countering his lies with the truth. 
He goes after the girls, lead them to discover their value in Christ before the world tells them that they need a boy. I know girls like boys. It's one thing to like a boy. It's another thing to need a boy. And the way girls these days seem to just need boys, that there's something profoundly broken about that. God creates a woman strong to come alongside a strong man. You understand? A strong woman, a strong man partners in a great adventure of serving the Lord. I mean, that's what it's supposed to be about. But understand, if you come into this thing weak, if you come into this thing broken and empty, there's not going to be any great adventure. And, And this is the problem. We have little girls who never manage to find themselves filled up in Christ. They never find out who they are in Christ. They never find out what what God says about their heart. They never begin to find anybody who says, listen, this is what I see in you, not not on the outside of you. This is what I see in you. And therefore, they they find nothing inside themselves and, and not Christ either. And they go into the world empty. And there's only one kind of man that an empty woman will attract. What kind of man is that? An empty man, and the world is full of them. I'll preach that series later. Only one kind of man that an empty woman will attract, and that's an empty man. And if you want to make sure that one day your daughter doesn't come dragging in some empty man, then you better make sure that you don't send out into the world an empty little girl. Let her find herself full in Christ before the world tells her that she needs a boy. She does not need a boy. She needs Christ. And then Christ one day will perhaps bring her alongside a man and together they can go on a great adventure in the world. But no, no, no. You don't go out into the world looking for a boy to fill you up. Because if you're not full in Christ, there is no man, no boy, no nothing that's going to fill you up. But now let's get, let's get real. If there's only one kind of man that an empty girl will attract, that's an empty man, then honestly, there's only one kind of kid that an empty parent can raise, and that's an empty kid. I'm not, let's just be honest about that. I'm talking to mamas in this house, and some of you never have yet been able to find your value in Christ. Your, your daughters are are like you. Your daughter learned to stand and look at herself in a mirror and hate her face. She learned that from you, mom. You stand and you just hate your, you hate your whole body. I mean, she's heard you all your life. Make your body the most important thing in the house and how much you hate it. And you want to understand. It's very, very difficult to do in others what's never been done in you. And the fact of the matter is, there's so many empty little girls in this world because there are a whole lot of empty mamas and empty daddies raising girls these days with nothing to give them. Are you that empty mom? I mean, I, I'm not asking you that question to, to beat up on you or, or, or make you feel shame. That, that, that's not my point. I, maybe you were that girl at some point in your life in the, in the bulrushes, in the reeds, and you were being faithful and obedient and patient and all these things, but nobody saw you. Nobody ever noticed that in you. 
you'd have loved along the way to have somebody come by and see something in you because you couldn't see it in yourself. You've never been able to see it in yourself. You stare in the mirror and you don't see it. And you wish along the way somebody could have seen something and you still can't see it. Whoever you are, no matter how old you are, and at this point, male, female, boy, girl, it, it, it doesn't matter. You've you got to find your value in Christ. You're created to bear God's image in the world. The reason you feel so empty is that you've yet to find yourself filled in him. The only way to satisfy the needs, the, the desires in your heart are to find them satisfied in Christ. The world cannot fill you up. There's not a plastic surgery. There's not a diet. There's not a, a drug. There's not a patch you can stick on. There's nothing that you can do to fill your heart when your heart is empty. And mom, dad, if you don't manage to, to find your worth, your value, if you don't manage to, to find your family centered upon Christ, then I'm telling you, your little girl doesn't stand a chance. She can't go any further than you've managed to go, and, and you're not managing to launch her. She's watching you, and she's studying you for some sign that, that she valued, that, that she matters. All I'm saying is, if, if you don't help her find herself in Christ, if you don't help her find her needs and her heart filled in Christ, then one of these days you're going to send her out into the world, and your little girl is going to be on her own. Do you see this little girl? In the bulrushes this day? Don't fail to see her. She's easy to overlook. But God sees her. And in this moment, God has put everything in her hands. The burning bush, the exodus, the Ten Commandments, the whole plan of salvation. You understand? In this particular moment, it's all depending upon one little girl and the amazing thing she comes through in a big way she comes through i pray that we set very high expectations for all of the girls and boys in our congregation i pray that we learn not to overlook them not to forget them i pray that we teach them to find their value in christ because Christ wants to use them to do big things in the world. Pray with me. It is a great responsibility to raise little ones. Lord, from the moment they wrap them up in a pink blanket or a blue blanket and lay them in our arms, Lord, we suddenly realize that the job itself is requiring more than we have in us. It's hard. And then the time flies and the days go by, Lord, and we realize that this little girl that we brought home is quickly becoming a woman. 
Lord Jesus, I pray for the young women in our congregation. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they will learn to be women of strength and dignity. I pray that they will be able to understand how they bear your image in the world. Lord God, I pray that they will care less about their lips and their hair and their bodies. Lord, I pray that they will be very, very concerned about growing a heart like yours. Oh, Lord Jesus, make them more like you, loving and gentle and patient and kind. And Lord God, give them such strength that they can come alongside the church, come alongside those in the world and lead us on a great adventure. Lord God, I pray that even now the girls in this congregation will have great examples in the women and in the men. Lord, I pray that we would be willing to entrust them with responsibility and high expectations, Lord God, and I pray that they will be launched from this church to go out into the world and turn the world upside down, our girls. But Lord, I pray right now for mamas in the house today on Mother's Day who still feel like that little wounded girl who never got seen or noticed or understood. I pray, Lord, that that mama today will find the healing that she's longed for her whole life. I pray, Lord, that today will be the day that she understands the woman of God that she is in your eyes. Lord, I pray for parents who are raising daughters and don't have a, a, a real understanding of, of, of what their daughter's worth. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will teach them the worth of a girl. Help them, Lord, to learn to see in her what you see in her and to tell her. Lord God, I pray that you will raise up young men worthy of the young women. Lord, I pray that we will be able as a church to teach our children to find their worth, their value, their identity in you, O oh Jesus. We fear, Lord, that somehow they will get the same emptiness and weakness that's in our hearts. And, Lord, we pray, Lord, that we can ourselves be filled, that we may know how to teach our children to walk in fullness. Lord, none of this is easy. If it were easy, all families would do it naturally, Lord. We know we all need you, and yet we fall short. So, Lord Jesus, today I pray that you would give us the strength and the wisdom that is required so that we could love each other well and especially our daughters. We pray these things in the name of Jesus.